Amen. Come on and give them a little bit more love. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go over to Luke 15. Luke 15. Luke 15 this morning. Lord, begin to share something with me, and I'm going to share it with you. Praise God. Well, we kicked off our Kids Life class this morning. And I don't know if they had fun, but we had fun. Amen. We, we had fun. Now, I, I did make them. We, we made a, a, a strong covenant bond. It's called a pinky swear. So I made them pinky swear uh, not to bludgeon or hurt anyone with, the, what, with what we made. And so I cannot be responsible, mom and dad, with what they do with the swords that we made. So, but anyway, all right. I had to modify that sword after I made one for my granddaughters. Uh, I had a stick going all the way through that pool noodle, and I uh, found that that didn't work at all. So my, my four-year-old turned four today, so she, uh, she gets in trouble from her mother all the time because she comes after Pops, and I don't know, she just like, she thinks I'm a punching bag. And I just let her do it, and I don't think much about it, but every time her mom sees her, she gets in trouble. But, but she got that sword out, and they took off after me. So the first thing I made the kids swear this morning is that you cannot hit your teacher. So anyway, and we modified it so, so we wouldn't be any danger taking place. So get your kids out here, amen? I had a great time, and God's got a great team gathered there. Let's look here in Luke 15. So thankful lately for the rain, aren't you? Had somebody tell me the other day it hadn't rained in so long. There were three-month-old catfish they had to teach how to swim again. So we're thankful for the rain, thankful for the Spirit of God uh, in this house. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your grace and goodness. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, that we have the presence of your Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for mercy and grace. And I, I just ask, Lord, that you would illuminate our hearts today through revelation of your word. Lord Jesus, just as you came to exegete the Father, let me exegete the Father this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's look here at Luke 15, and I wanna start reading there in the first three verses. First three verses here. Uh, it says, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew, tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. Are you hearing that, what I'm hearing, guys? You know, that, all right, thank you. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. This parable. Now, this translation says it's just one parable. It was a parable that he, that he spoke, and Jesus, in that parable, maybe we'll call it sub-parables. There was a parable of a, of a, of a lost sheep, a parable of a lost coin, and a parable of a lost son. Now it's interesting as Jesus was so interested in the feelings of the Pharisees that he chose uh, uh, topics that kind of just, you ever pet a cat the wrong way? It was kind of one of those things, just pet the cat the wrong way. And just, uh, uh, he, he chose, a, uh, he, he chose a, to liken himself to a woman. He's, yeah, oh no, anything but a woman, you know, but in those days, I'm saying, in those days, amen? But, but we see here, because the Lord did not marginalize women. 
No, no, that was the instrument of human ego and flesh and all those demonic forces that come along with that. But what we do see is the Lord in that, and he said, look, there's a woman who's lost the equivalent of what it would be her wedding ring. And so she searched the house till she found it, and then the Bible says that she rejoiced over the fact. And then he likened himself into a shepherd going after a sheep, and he said, well, that's not a negative, is it? Well, Israel had come to the place that they took on the, the same mindset as Egypt. In Egypt, see, they despise shepherds. And by the time we get to Jesus' day, there was an undertone, of, 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 of a despising of shepherds that day. But Jesus said, let me just pet you the wrong way. I'm going to liken myself to a woman. I'm going to liken myself to a, to a shepherd. And then he concludes this parable, this parable with a lost son. And we'll get into the depth of the depravity of that. But I want you to skip down, if you will, to verse 11. Verse 11. And if you will indulge me, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this a little bit. I'm going to read to the end here because we, we, need the whole, we need to capture the whole story. And when we get to the end of this parable, it was to punctuate to the Pharisees and to the scribes how far off they were as far as an attitude of a son. Now, if you're looking online, you'll see the, uh, the, the title of this message is Sunrise, and it's not a misspelling. It's S-O-N-R-I-S-E, okay? Because what we need in our world today is the sun to rise. Amen? So let's look here in Luke, uh, Luke the 11th verse, the 15th chapter. It says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Verse 13. And now many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. He had, would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods of the swine that the swine ate. No one gave him anything, so he's destitute. When he came to himself, Oh, my God, that the United States would come to themselves. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish for hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off. His father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, kissed him. And his father said to him, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him. 
Put a ring on his hand and the sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came, he drew near to the house and he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked, what are these, th what do these things mean? And he said, your brother has come because he was received, because he received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatty calf. He was very angry. He would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as his son, this son of yours, as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that you should make merry and be glad. And your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and he was found. Wow. Wow. Now, I've titled this passage here, and I've preached it, and those of you that may not have heard it, I'll just say to you, there's three sons, actually, in this story. The first of which I want to talk to you about, a, a wrong attitude of sonship, and we call this the, we call this sub part of this, this parable, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son. And we sometimes look at that and we, we see the prodigal son as being the hero of the story. It's the one that the focus is there on him, so he must be the hero because we identify with that hero. We, we identify with the one that was out there and we had, we had wasted all and we were hungry and, uh, and we came back and we humbled ourselves and we, we walked up and said, oh, Father, come receive. I just want to be your servant. No, you're my son and you come in and we identify with that. So we, we tout the prodigal son as the hero. And he's not the hero in this story. No, quite the contrary, folks. The prodigal son, is the, he's the entitled son. See, because when he came to the father and he said, Father, I want all my stuff and I want it now. See, the inheritance wouldn't have been broken up and given to the sons until the father had passed. So what is he asking? He said, I, I wish you were dead. I just want my stuff and I want it now. Do you believe that's the right attitude of a son in the kingdom? See, he wanted blessing without boundaries. How many in the house of the Lord today, I want all the blessing of God, but I don't want any boundaries. Don't be, don't be judging me. Let me just let you clue in on something. Uh, we are always judging. What do you mean by that, preacher? You're judging me right now. And the word of God tells you that you should. Because I don't want you to just lap it up just because I tell you. I want you to take what I'm saying to you and line it up with the word of God. Every spirit that you hear in your ear is not God. You got to discern, okay, you got to judge. Is this spirit of the Lord or is this the spirit of the enemy? Or is this some human spirit? 
I know I'm playing on that a little bit, but you hear what I'm saying. We, all, we get this mantra, this, this banner over, don't judge me. Well, guess what? You are a hypocrite because you judge every time you walk in a room. You judge every time a preacher gets up there or a worshiper gets up there and sings. We need to judge according to the word of God and see if those things align. I know what the sentiment is. I know what the phrase means. It means being judged, jury, and executioner people. And no, we don't advocate that. But I, when it comes to judging, compare it to the word of God. What does the word say? That's all I'm asking of you today. But we see the blessing without boundaries. Lord, I want all the blessing, all the blessing, all the blessing, but I don't want you to tell me anything that I should or shouldn't do. Let me tell you, the Father loves you, and he knows what's best for you. And I have found that my Father, he knows he's got a far bigger, better plan than I ever thought I could have for myself. Amen? Covenant without control. Resources without relationship. Lord, give me your resources, but I don't want any relationship. That's what the younger son was saying. That's what the son that was lost in the, in the field, the, the one that was lost there. He, he wanted... He wanted all of the stuff, but he had no interest in having relationship. Folks, everything flows from relationship. Amen? You got the entitled son. He didn't have the heart of the father. He didn't have the heart of the father. Let me tell you, when you start to feel the heart of the father, the blessings are a byproduct of your relationship with the Lord. Your biggest concern is, God, I just want you. If you don't do anything else, you've done, you've done too much. Lord, I just want you. And I believe, folks, when the church truly captures the heart of the Father, you won't have to worry about the treasures. He'll bestow the treasures upon you. But you can't go after the heart of the Father in seeking after the treasures. The treasures will be there. But let me tell you, let's, get at, let's go after the heart of our Father. Let's say, Lord, I, I, it's, Lord, if you don't go, I'm not going either. If you don't move, I'm not moving either. Lord, if you don't build this house, and Lord God, we're laboring but in vain. Father, we need, Lord God, what only you can give. I just want your presence. I, I just want your presence, Lord God. I, I could care less about the blessings if I cannot have you. So we have the entitled son. He went in, he was lost in a foreign land. Then we've got the indignant son. The indignant son. He's the, he's the one in the house who won't come in and celebrate. He's the one that is there and just jealousy has swept over him because he's still in an earning structure. He's still trying to, uh, you, you, you never, you, you never killed a fatted calf for me and my friends. I've worked hard for this. I should get some credit. What about me? Jealousy. Indignant over the fact that somebody else is getting blessed. Folks, as Andrew Murray says, you need to concern yourself not with the Pharisee and someone else. You need to concern yourself with the Pharisee and me. And if every time someone else is being blessed, you get jealous, let me say to you, you need to do a, a check. We had a strange thing when we planted our church in, in the country of Scotland, in the, in the inner city there, where there was 170 known gangs that were there. And 
We won't get into the details of that. But while we were there, we had some, some new converts. We had a, services where they would come down, just a handful of folks, they would come in, and we laid hands upon them. They fell out in the spirit. They got up speaking in tongues. And then after all of that stopped, they said, what did you just do to me? I said, well, that's just the blessing of the Lord. It's just a manifestation of the spirit. So we planted our church, and then we got to talking about evangelism, how that we should reach out to the community. And so we asked some of our ladies, did you invite your husbands to come to church? They said, no, this is my church. Your church? Yeah, I don't want my husband coming up in here messing everything up. This is my church. I said, oh, we got some work to do. <laughs> so we can get to the place where we lose the heart of the Father because we, as I spoke to you last week, we let our ideology dictate our theology. And we think God sees like we see. God acts like we act. And we tell others so. No, he acts like him, and we need to discover his ways. Amen? But we see here, you've got the entitled son. You've got the indignant son. The entitled son was lost in a foreign land. The indignant son was lost in the house. He lived in a house, and he didn't know the father. He didn't know who the father was. He, he didn't come when rejoice with the father when the father was rejoicing. He didn't value the same thing the father values. He didn't know the father. I've been in your house my whole life. I've been in your house my whole life. And he still didn't know. I have a grave concern in these days that we're living. Folks have been in the house their whole life and they still don't know the Father. Change to walk in resurrected life. Lord, I just want to know you. Paul said, I had all the trappings there, critical mindset. He said, above my peers, I was elite. I was in the elite class and it still left me wanting. He said, I'll throw all of that away and just call it trash. I just call it dung. I don't want it. What I want is to know who God is. And I believe there's a church that's rising up that just want to know God who are you and Lord God what do you want to do Lord we tried our methods we tried our means and Lord God what we need is the glorious presence of the living God rising up on the inside of the church where worshipers just begin to worship where there's a river that's flowing that cannot be crossed when people get into your presence, they can't help but notice there is something different. There is something different about that one. I don't know what it is, but it seems peculiar to me. They don't jump in and add in to the conversation. When the conversation, I want to know what makes his, his heart joyous. I want to know. I want to be so close to the Lord. I want the church so close to God that he can guide us with his eyes. You don't even have to speak, Lord. Just look. Just, just, where's your head turned? Where's your head turned? 
servants in the house they were so attuned to the to the master that they walked in and there were guests around the table they didn't have to he didn't have to verbalize what he wanted they knew what he wanted because they spent enough time with him when he looked yeah let's go get some more chicken I'm going to not let my hunger take over this morning, okay? But we see here, you've got the, you've got the entitled son, the indignant son, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the eternal son. And when Jesus came, according to John 1, 18, it says, Now, no one has seen God at any time. God, the only son, who is in the arms of the Father... He has explained him. Let me read to this to you in the Amplified. No one has seen God, his essence, his divine nature, at any time except the one and only begotten God, that is the unique Son, who is in the intimate presence of the Father. He has explained him, interpreted and re revealed the awesome wonder of the Father. That word right there, to declare and to explain, that word is exegete. Exegete is critical interpretation of Scripture. And what Jesus has come to do is to explain to you and I, through display and declaration, who the Father is. Who the Father is. Now the Lord has given a family structure, and that family structure has been violated through sin. That, that family structure has been distorted through sin. See, the greatest place that you can practice Christianity is in your own house. The greatest place to display the glory of God is not in an exhibition of worship. And I mean that in no derogatory term. But folks, what I'm saying to you is that you can be, you, you are no more spiritual publicly than you are privately at your own house. And there's been a lot of violation when it came to the image of the Father because the fathers uh, on many occasions have dropped the torch. Uh, they've dropped the baton. They didn't uh, carry on with where they needed to be. And thus doing so, they have disrupted uh, the natural order that God has given uh, for a father in a family. And now culture is defining uh, who kids are instead of the Word of God defining uh, who the next generation should be. And now there's a pendulum that has swung so far one direction uh, that it's going to take a clarion voice uh, and a call from the heaven above uh, to bring the pendulum back over into the direction that it needs to go. And so you walk into a church uh, and there's an energy of the Spirit of the Lord uh, and God is just gripping his prophets uh, preachers and they are declaring and you say man that guy is insane that guy's got something wrong with him he looks possessed I want to say to you I am possessed I'm possessed with the spirit of God and God's saying I will declare who my children are I will declare who this next generation is I will explain to you and show you who the father is see because we've had too much isol Jesus Exegete. To exegete a scripture is to take it for what it says and interpret it honestly and truly. To isogete is to infer what I want it to say. 
bring my opinions into it, my ideology into it, twist it around so that it meets what I want it to say. Preachers, preach the word. Preachers, preach the word. Doesn't matter if you're male or female, you're called to preach. Preach the word of God. We have had enough attitudes and opinions. What we need is a declaration of who the Father is. Preach the word. Jesus came because we get this mindset that God the Father is a big, nasty, petulant, hateful, mean, can't wait to take you out of commission God Jesus is the good cop he just wants to bring you into you know keep the wrath of God away from you and the father no Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the father so whatever attitude you have towards Jesus you should have the same towards the father not, not what was given to you by your earthly father. And I know there's some good, good godly dads in this room. Men, keep it up. Keep going. Keep, keep, keep moving. Keep, mo- keep planting. Keep, keep, keep going. Just keep going. Keep putting those seeds in the ground. Because when you put the seed in the ground, you're not looking at today. You're looking at the harvest tomorrow. You're looking at the harvest uh, next week and the week after and the year after and the decade after and you, you look up and, and your children have followed the Lord and your children are teaching their children to follow the Lord. And the, it, maybe that, that's not the case in your situation, but you start a new day. Start it now. Start planning for the future. Start looking ahead. You can't do anything with what's back there. You got to look ahead and keep going for where you need to be. Ask the Father every day. You know what my number one prayer was, guys? Lord, don't let me screw my kids up. By the grace of God, he's helped me. So, as we look at this, he's, Jesus has come to explain the Father. Do your own, you, you can check me on this one. But you go and, and you look at the letters in red. Yes, yes, the letters in red. In the, in the book of John alone, in the letters in red, and the capitalized, get a version, uh, New King James is what I looked it up in. The capitalized, the Father, or Father, or Father. Jesus, in the book of John, mentioned the Father 107 times. He made reference to the Father 107 times in the single book of John. Because he's wanting you to know, if you see him, you see the Father. I do what the Father shows me. I love you because the Father loves, loves me. I'm bringing sons into relationship with my Father. It's my Father. I want you to glorify my Father. I didn't come to glorify myself. I've come to glorify my Father. Why do you think the enemy has been after you and used a false image of fatherhood in your life? It's because he wants to destroy the ultimate image of the true father let me say to you I thank God for dads in this room today but let me say to you those children belong to the Lord before they belong to you child you belong to God before you belong to your family so as we look as we look here 
I want you to look at 1 John 3 and 8. 1 John 3 and 8. So, we got two sons in the house. One of them said, I don't care if you're dead or alive. I want my stuff and I'm getting out of here. Only to find out he couldn't make it without the father. He's like, oh man, my father's not a bad guy after all. <laughs> he feeds the servants and he treats everybody good and I'll just go back and be a servant. Then you got the, the other son, it's like, wham, wham, look at me. Nobody does, nobody sees me. I get no credit. Then you got the son, the eternal son, telling the story. Now, I want you to look at 1 John 3 and 8. <clears throat> he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned. This is 1 John 3 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Manifest. Manifest. Jesus came to exegete the Father. He came to display and to explain the Father. Now we have a word here, manifest. That word manifest means to make visible or known. What has been hidden or unknown to manifest. So Jesus came to manifest the will of the Father to humanity. He's come to do that. Now it says here that the enemy has sinned. The devil has sinned and he has from the beginning. And that word sin is harmatia. Harmatia. That word sin it is interesting because it does mean miss the mark, but it means more than miss the mark. How many have heard the definition of sin being miss the mark? You know, you aiming at Jesus, you miss, and you're you just you missed it all together. But it's got it's got a deeper, richer meaning than that. It means that that you have not only missed the mark, but you have no share in because you have forfeited. You're not hitting a target, you are missing it altogether. In other words, the blessing is not the target. The, the, the rejoicing, uh, uh, the, the idea that God would go kill a fatty calf and, and let your friends gather with you, that, that's validation, if you will. That's not the target. The target is the relationship with the Father. It is the relationship with the living God. He's the target. He's the one. And humanity in the garden from the beginning forfeited, forfeit, gave it up. They, lost, they let go of that by disobedience because they said, I'm going to do this thing my way. Now, it's interesting. Harmatia, that word sin, is the, this is straight from the, straight from the lexicon, is the brand of sin that emphasizes its self-origination or self-empowering nature. In other words, it originates and it's in, empowered not from God. It is not faith in his work, in his completed work. What did I just say in all of that? 
What is it telling us right now? It tells us the source of fear that has plagued the world. It tells us where sin originates or where fear originates and it is in self-empowering and the Bible calls that sin. In other words, everything rises and falls upon me individually. And I know we've had some leadership teaching in the, word, in the house of God. But I think sometimes that leadership teaching has drawn us so far away from the faith that we think that we are sourcing this thing. Let me tell you, if God is not in charge of this, we are all in trouble. Amen? But folks, when we get to that place, and it's the same for you as it is for me, when you feel that overwhelming sense like, I'm about to crush under the burden of this weight that I'm carrying, then you are carrying too much of this weight. You are carrying too much of the burden, and you're not the one sourcing this thing. You're in covenant with God. Turn your attention, turn your aim, go back after the Lord and say, oh God, I just want to partner with you. I'm just going to put my hand in your hand. I'm going to trust in you and walk where you want me to walk. I'm going to say what you want me to say. I just want to do what you want me to do. See, because sin and fear go hand in hand. But see, Jesus came along and he said, or John declares to us, I've come to destroy. Jesus came and revealed. He came to reveal the Father. And he said, I've come. And, and John, John understood it. He said, he's come to destroy the works of the devil. Come to destroy. He's come to loose people who have been tied and fastened up. He's come to set people free. He's come to un, un, unbind and release the bonds. He's come to dissolve the work of the enemy. He has come to destroy. Oh, I don't know about you, but I just believe that God believes what he wrote in the book. Amen? And I just believe that God wants you free. It is for freedom God has set you free. It is for freedom God has set you free. And he's breaking and dissolving. The Bible says that he was manifest. He became visible. We couldn't see the Father before, but now we see him. How can we see him? We see him physically because we see Jesus. If you can see Jesus, you can see the Father. Jesus did what the Father told him to do. And when he manifested himself, he came forth to set the captive free, to the, let the light of his life begin to shine in the hearts of men and women so that they could begin to understand who they are and what they're called to do. Waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Interesting. The word son there is weos. The word in the passage we just read is weos. We've oftentimes referred to weos as the fully matured sons of God. But that word weos means anyone sharing the same nature as the Father. Did I lose you all? I'm going to wait just a minute and let the revelation just drop. 
Jesus referred to himself as the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son. The Son was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. The Son bears the image of the Father. The Son came forth to destroy the works of the enemy. He's the one who has the likeness in the nature of the Father. It's the likeness of the believer to the Heavenly Father, resembling his character more and more by living in faith. Not sin. We're saying, I am self-empowering this thing. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not self-empowering my salvation. My salvation came 2,000 years ago upon the cross when Jesus Christ empowered my salvation. He empowered my righteousness. He empowered my goodness. He put it all in me when I accepted him and invited him into the into my heart and now his nature that springs forth in the hearts of his children is not what you source it's what he sources ladies you might enjoy this little bit of trivia that word we us equally refers to female believers if I can be a bride you can be a son. Amen? And no, we're not preaching same-sex relationships. Come on. We're not changing your gender. Come on. None of that. We're not twisting this thing up. We're straightening it out. But see, we all highlights the legal right to the Father's inheritance we us for the earnest expectation of creation waits for the manifestation of the we us of God there's a son who wants blessing and nothing else if he doesn't get the blessing even if he does get it, he runs from the house. There's a son that's in the house, and he's so jealous of everybody else. He can't see anything but himself. When Jesus said, I've come to reveal the heart of the Father. So that the works of the devil might be destroyed. So that he can raise up, because he's given the right as many as would receive him, he gave them the right to become the weos. He gave them the right to walk in the nature of God. He gave them the right to, to, to follow after the, the Father. He, he gave them the right for the inheritance of the Father. And now creation is disrupted not over the political parties that are warring against each other. In fact, the earth is not in travail right now with with earthquakes and strange places and, and cataclysmic events that are taking place in our land today. Creation is groaning after the manifestation of the sons of God to begin to bear the likeness and the image of the Father and begin to rise up so that the works of the devil might be destroyed in this generation, in the next generation, and in the next generation. There was the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. 
to reveal the heart of the Father, to <clears throat> rightfully give them an understanding of who the Father was. He gave those, that parable. The Bible, though this translation I just read, it doesn't it didn't declare it, but in the margins, but when the Son came in, the Father, first off, he saw him a great distance off, and he ran. Jewish fathers would not run. When he ran, he embraced his son, and he said, the literal translation, he quickly put a robe upon him. He quickly put a robe upon him, and he brought him to the house. There was a Jewish law that would have permitted that permitted a hurried sale of a family working farm such as an act that would cause such anger in the community. In other words, if you would relinquish your inheritance or if you would demand your inheritance. And so this young man that came back in, this son that was a prodigal that he went out for his wasteful living, when he came back in, he should have been shamefully treated by the entire village and excommunicated according to the law. According to the law, he should have been brought out in the, in the town square or the equivalent, and he should have been declared a, a, a basically a, a son who was going to be disowned. He would have been shamed in front of the whole village. God the Father sent the Son. And Jesus said, I want to reveal to you the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is not according to the law. He's the one that come. And now he's saying, I know what the law demands, but I will be the one who will bear the shame in a public display so that my sons can come into relationship I will be the one, the guiltless son, who will be suspended between heaven and earth, and I will bear the sins of all humanity. I will put a robe upon them quickly and give them a ring of authority on their finger, and I will take them out of poverty, and I will put shoes upon their feet. How many of you ran barefooted as kids? Some of you still probably left your shoes off. And how many times you step on a rusty nail and you look for that red streak running up your leg? Come on. We just ran around. It meant nothing to us in our culture. In Hebrew culture, if you were barefoot, it spoke of the most impoverished. And the Lord said, no. I'm going to put shoes on your feet so that you can be a weos and walk in the inheritance that I have given you, not as a servant. I've got all creation to serve me. I'm not looking for servants. I'm looking for sons in service. I'm looking for those who understand my heart and begin to reveal so that all creation can quit groaning over the fact that the sons have not risen. I believe it's the hour where the sun is beginning to rise in the hearts of the church and the sun is beginning to lift up. And what the 
the world is looking for is what heaven's looking for. And that's for you and I to stand in our place, not as servants, not as slaves, not continuing in an alienated mindset, but we are standing there knowing that we are sons of God. And we are walking in the authority. And we're going to say, no, addiction stops here at my door. No, grief and sorrow stops here. No, we're not going to continue with the spirit of suicide. No, it's not going to continue on my watch. I will plant new seeds. We will start a new harvest here in my home. See? What you're going to begin to see, what needs to be seen, is the manifestation of sons, which includes daughters, equal inheritance, walking in the likeness and the nature of the Father, exhibiting what it truly looks like to live in relationship. This thing is so, I will say it this way, we have complicated things. Well, if you jump through that hoop and over in this hoop and you go through that, you go over here and you, you know, you squeeze this right and hold your leg and just, you know, now you're righteous. No. You're righteous the day you stepped into relationship with Jesus. In Christ faith in him faith in Christ just like we talked about last week there is a world definition of justice there's also a biblical definition of justice justice is in partnership with righteousness and it's not that we understand not that we 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 see ourselves the way God sees us but we also see others as imagers of God. And when that image doesn't reflect his image, I'm sorry, it just causes something to rise up in me. It causes something to, I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad at the twisted, demented, pain and sorrow that you've had to go through. I'm mad at the shame and the hurt and the pain that has afflicted you and kept you in a prison and said you you can't get out and these are your rations and this is all you get and you don't have any hope you have no joy. Let me keep the light shut out. Let me keep the light shut out but the life of God the life of the Son is wakening in the heart of the church and is now pulling back to an open door to say no child of God come on and wake up that Jesus Christ loves you the Father loves you and I'm going to raise you up out of that place and destroy destroy the works of the devil oh so if you want to call me crazy I'm crazy about you I'm crazy about your freedom I'm crazy enough to believe this stuff I'm 
I believe that there's a revolution coming. I believe God is raising up sons. That's why the enemy keeps pushing you down, pushing you down, pushing you down. Don't look, don't look at God. Don't look at God. Don't look at God. Don't look at God. You can do this thing. No, you can't. No, you can't. But he can. Oh, love of my four-year-old. She turned four today. Came in the kitchen, and those of you nervous, I know what time it is. I'm as hungry as you are. She came in the kitchen the other day. She stomped her foot and she said, Ah, fear nothing. <laughs> the spirit of Nani lives on. But you know, that's it. That's how the Father wants you to live. Why? Because you know who's sourcing you. Because you know, I'm going to take an honest poll, an honest poll, and, then, and we're, we are drawn too close. This, is, this happens to me like it happens to anybody. How many have woke up this week? I know we're starting a new week, last week. You woke up with anxiety in your heart. Fear met you when you woke up. Just fear met you there. That's happened to me a day or two this week. I got up. I said, shut your lying mouth, you vile, no good. Think this thing rises and falls on me? Shut up. We're not, this is the end of this conversation. We're not having any other discussion about this. You can get your no good, sorry, stinking self out of this room, and you're going to do it now. And I'll kick the devil straight on out. And I'm saying to you, that's the way the Father wants you because you're not sourcing this thing. He's sourcing it through you. You're not alone. He's with you, and God is manifesting himself. And what happened in that moment? That's just a case in point. I stood in my right as a son. And that fear was destroyed instantly. I'm saying to you, if you're a child of God, you have that right right now to say no more. If you are not a child of God, it is heaven's hope and the Father's greatest desire is that you enter into relationship and become what you are called to be, and that is a son of God. Worship team, get up here this morning, if you will. Appreciate and love you guys. Tristan wanted to start the service today. She said, you know what I would tell him, Pastor? I said, What? She said, I'd tell them either get on their feet or on their face. <laughs> like it. Like it. Proud of that young lady. 
want you to stand, if you will. Just wait a minute. On the, keep playing. Keep playing. The enemy did some work in my life. I didn't know who I was or what I was supposed to do. Did it work in my family, childhood family. It's a lot of wrong understanding. It's a lot of self-hatred and regret, shame. Shame's a beast. Shame does not separate the sinner from the sin. Shame ties us together with with whatever that thing is. The enemy had worked and he worked and he worked and he worked. And then Christ came. He manifested his light to me. It revealed to me, I don't have to keep doing that. And it's been a journey, beautiful discovery of God's goodness. The Lord is going to destroy. See what the enemy took decades to work through? God destroyed many of those things in a moment. Moment. Didn't mean there were some things that I, I, I needed to walk through and I had to work out in my understanding. But there was, there was a lot of working, 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 working. I'm going to get them here. I'm going to get them there. I'm going to keep them down here. I'm going to stop them. I'm going to start as early as I can. I'm going to work as long as I can. I'm going to start the abuse as early as I can. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to work decades and decades and decades. I'm going to lead them over here and lead them over there. And I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to see them watch you put this person in the ground and that person in the ground. And I'm just going to keep working and working and working and working and working. And for decades, that Jesus was manifest. And those decades were destroyed. I feel with everything that is in me this morning that Jesus is going to manifest in you today and destroy. Come. If you've got an area that needs to be destroyed, that the enemy has been working on, come right now, right now. Come on, don't wait on anybody else. Just come with your hands surrendered. Lord, that's me. 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 I, I, I just, Lord, that's me. Lord, destroy. Lord, destroy. Lord, destroy. Manifest yourself, Lord God, and destroy. Come on, there's more.